everybody. Guess what? We're back. It's the BCS Insider Podcast. I'm Kelly Dixon, co-hosting this year with my uh, my former assistant, now editor in his own right, Chris McCaleb. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Chris. Hey, How's it going? Good. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming in. Better Call Saul, uh, episode 202, which does not have a title yet, I'm assuming. Not yet. Uh-oh. We got to figure one out. That's but we're right. here with uh, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould, creators of the show. Hey. Hello. We're here with uh, Bob Odenkirk. Wait, so why do you guys, you're waiting for magic to strike with the titles. But wait, before we talk about that, I want to introduce Mark Brooks today, uh, who plays Price, (laughs) and writer of this episode, Jenny Hutchison. Hello. Hey. Hi. Good to have have all you guys on. (laughs) Okay, for now we're calling it 202. Yes. Yeah. Because this is very early. This is probably the earliest we've ever started a podcast, and I'm thrilled because... You know, hopefully we can get them all done in a in a much shorter amount of time than we did last year. That would last, be good. Last year we were late and we got hammered for it. Um, <laughs> on the last episode, who hammered? What? Who? What? Who hammered? Uh, yeah, you don't know about this. Uh-uh. On the last episode uh, last year, our podcast came out a week late. Ooh. And uh, and boy, we're, we I took it all over Twitter for that. But, yeah, uh, that's not right. But, don't uh, ever read. Don't, why with the Twittering? Why with the, 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 the my, my yes. book and Space Face? I'm, I'm not really reading. <laughs> I'm not necessarily reading Twitter for the podcast and stuff. I read Twitter for other things, but, you know, I can't Twitter filter out. Right. I filter that out. All right. But anyway. Uh, be I, nice to I, Kelly, folks. She's doing, she's dragons. Yeah, be everybody, nice to Everybody be nice to Kelly. She's doing this out of the kindness of her heart. I believe that everybody uh, pretty much understood that we were just slammed last year, and I think they forgave us. But uh, we're getting good. an early start. Um, it's December. We are just finishing post week number four. We just finished editing 204, uh, right? You guys picture, just finished picture editing cut, 204. Picture cutting, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and we're talking about 202 today, so this is great. Hey, you know, by the way, before we get talking about, uh, and, and not to, but, um, but, you know, we didn't talk, uh, we talked about uh, Zimzam Yo-Yo Man uh, on our last podcast, which was awesome. And, I love it so so uh, much. It means so much. I want Thank to talk you. about something else uh, I love de- uh, deeply and dearly uh, with Bob and David. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You oh, like absolutely. it? It was fantastic. Absolutely. Loved it. How much That's fun was that for you? Well, new, I think you can tell. This is your new tell. show on Netflix, right? Uh, it was a show. We did a run of four episodes on Netflix, David Cross and I, and surprisingly, pretty much everybody who wrote and appeared in Mr. Show came back, which we didn't think would happen. One of the reasons we wanted to give it a different name, uh, there were many, but one of them was I just thought we're just—it's not going to be that group of people. Right. So, uh, because I, the writers have other jobs and and the actors too, and they're older and they have kids, and um, but they were well into it big time, and and they all came back, and it was just a blast. So I'm really awesome. proud of it. It should be. And I'm glad you like it. Oh, yeah. I'm really glad. And, Peter, you were able to come to some of the I, shows. I had, I loved going. And, you know, one thing that came out of it that was uh, exciting was I got to meet uh, some of the other cast members, yeah. like John Ennis. And John introduced me to Jesse Ennis. Oh, yeah. Who, is, uh, who, is, who is, plays Aaron Brill on this show. That's right. Yeah. And that was, the, that was the first time I'd ever, uh, I'd ever met her. And she did such a great job for us. She's wonderful. And, and uh, you, you guys out there will see more of her. So I, it, was, it was great. It was and really, she's in with Bob and David as I, well. I know. She has, That's a, right. she has that wonderful scene where she's in the hospital. What is she? What kind? She's what, like what an kind, aromatherapist. She's an aromatherapist yeah. dealing with some... Crises <laughs> in a hospital. And she's so sweet. The first thing I, I said to her, I said, you were great. And she said, I, I don't know if I enunciated clearly enough. 
She and needs I, cinnamon it's, oil stat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, elderberry water Jeez. or somebody's fucking job is on the line. That's, that was great. Yeah. It's, uh, it you was guys didn't really, miss a beat. No, oh, you really did. Really, you really, really yeah. didn't. And I, I think in the order of them, they're, all of them are wonderful. I really think you saved the best for last. We didn't talk about this. The uh, the uh, what felt like it was uh, inspired by the was it the Maisel's oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, salesman, salesman document. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I love that. I loved it was because it was funny. Everything was funny. All of, all the episodes are funny, but that one, on top of being funny, was actually poignant. Yeah, and I felt bad for your character. Like, we you never were, made a sale before. We're actually talking about trying to think of a spinoff. Uh, of four or six episodes of just those salesmen. Oh yeah, and get into each of those guys' stories told That'd be like that. Awesome. So I'm glad that. you're excited about That's that, that. Was, Vince. I'm thrilled, and I know Peter, you've given me compliments on the show. I'm glad you guys like it. Oh yeah. Uh, I, you know, of course, anything I do outside of Saul, I feel like, you know, Saul is the main thing that I'm doing with my career right now, and well worth that kind of commitment. And so I always worry about you guys wanting to, I hope that you like the other things that I do oh. with any time that I have left in my year. And uh, so I'm very glad you oh, liked fantastic. it. And I'm glad it came out as well as it did. And we didn't know what we would get. Didn't expect to see those old friends again, much less have them be gung-ho and there for the whole thing. And, uh, and then hoping that we do right by our fans and... Uh, but also, you know, willing to fail. I mean, it's like you guys taking on Better Call Saul. It's like, should we do this? What if it's not as good as Mr. Show? And you just got to keep living yeah. Yeah. and mm -hmm. making things yeah. and taking risks and yeah. taking risks. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I talked about this movie Girlfriend's Day, and it's a real tricky thing we're trying to do because it's it is the silliest serious movie you could make or the most serious silly movie you could make <laughs> it's very silly in its concept and in a lot of the lines but it's not going to work unless we play it like we believe it okay mm -hmm. and so it's super tricky nice. and uh but what do you do yeah. sit on your hands and nothing and yeah. uh yeah. you you got to get out there right and keep testing yourself and trying things that are risky and uh and I, I'm glad you liked the fourth episode of oh, yeah. with Bob and David. I think my favorite thing in all the shows is I think it's episode two or three mm -hmm. where there's a run uh, of extra beetle and then yeah, and then, yeah. and then <laughs> what comes after it oh rooms the musical rooms yeah. the musical rooms the music yes you, but that's something I, I think I had heard I, a draft of that yes and no I mean we've been we had a poster. Yeah. For Rooms the Musical yeah. in Mr. Show. <laughs> it was just a poster yeah, for a bad Broadway show <laughs> called Rooms the Musical where a house comes to life and the rooms sing to each other. <laughs> and then about three years ago, I said, I've always, it's always been a thing that's floated in my head. I came up with a bunch of songs for Rooms the Musical. And then after that, about a year and a half, two years ago, I said, I thought as I was riding my bike up the hill, uh, for exercise, I know what the story of that musical is. The family, the parents are getting divorced, <laughs> and the rooms conspire to keep them together. <laughs> <laughs> and then we came up with the craziest, because it's, I think what I love about it is we, I think 
we always talk about Monty Python with Mr. Show and how much we loved it and all. But I felt like what's great about Python and makes it better, and it'll always be better than Mr. Show, is that they were just uh, able to go further. And, and they also had certain things they did, reference points that we just don't have access yeah. to. Right. We're not going to do summarizing Proust because I've actually never read Proust still, and right. I read a lot. Yeah. And those guys just had those great reference yeah. points that we didn't go to Cambridge. We're yeah. just idiots, you know? <laughs> so but it was it also just went further into uh, the either in a wonderful way. Yeah. Uh, and but I think that with rooms, we kind of went off the rails in a great way, in a totally worthwhile way. But we don't do that very often. Anyway. I love the way it starts yes. too with the the dry cleaners. Yes, where you're eating the sandwich. Yeah, I, 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 I like I, the three the three guys brainstorming. It did it did remind yeah. it reminded me of it reminded me of a writer's room. It well, really did. And speaking of that, because I wanted to mention that too. The, the uh, when you're getting on Netflix to watch the episodes, the final uh, it's not an episode, but the, you, then you have the documentary about yes. the making, which I found very fascinating because you you in the documentary we see you guys in your writer's room. Yeah. And that's something, I guess we did that one time for you French really, television yeah. on, on our show. But that was, seeing you guys do your thing, I learned a lot from watching I'm that. Glad you, yeah. I'm glad you feel that way. Yeah. I thought, I can't watch that. That I can't watch. Because it's you. It's I've not seen a, a few seconds yeah. of it. Yeah. It's a lot of stum stammering and, <laughs> you know, uncertainty. And I just can't imagine anyone could care. But oh, no, I'm it's glad great. to hear no, it's, great. it's entertaining to some people. The trickiest part is that the, uh, the the sound is not always. You guys it's are not, not always, always on mic. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you can yeah. hear everything, and it makes it seem more real. Awesome. Good. So, and uh, better call Saul. Yeah. So, <laughs> good, good, good yeah. podcast. Yeah. This yeah. is a good one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, um, I think I'd like to talk to you guys, you Jenny and and Vince and Peter, about um, you know more about the writers' room, more about you know what you kind of thought about for this season. At the end of episode one, Jimmy is now, you know, gone and sort of made it sort of a deal, you know, to to go with Davis in Maine, but really has an ulterior motive to do so. What was your thought process of getting sort of getting past your premiere and getting into the meat of the show this season and what was going to happen? Oh, one other thing I wanted to ask, too, is um, as far as... I know that you have to be a little cagey on answering this, but as far as moving him along the Saul Goodman path, mm -hmm. these are good questions. I I, I defer to, to Jenny because she wrote this That's this particular cheating. one. <laughs> That's well, so no, mean. I mean I feel like I've been talking. I feel like I've been talking a lot, but I, don't I mean, mean that, Jenny. I just mean that you know, wow, no, he basically put the whole thing on you. So. Well, oh well, I mean I I can't really speak to the whole Saul continuum. I oh think sure you can. We were all in the room. I mean together. we talked about it a lot. I know. I think a lot of people probably felt at the end of season one was like this is it. He's Saul, yeah. and uh, we talk a lot about like when does that moment happen and what does that mean for the show yeah. and. I think the big thing coming out of season one was how much we loved Jimmy um, and yeah. his journey. And, you know, you, it, sort of the tragedy of this show ultimately is that you're going to kind of kill Jimmy for Saul. And the thing is, is like you don't just become someone overnight. Yeah. You know, it's always small steps. And I think that Jimmy has taken a huge I think he's taken a, a pretty significant step towards m moving towards Saul. So I think when we got into this season and these episodes in particular, we were talking about 
how do we get him to Saul and, and sort of what are the things that are keeping him Jimmy that he has to lose to get to Saul? Um, and so that was sort of going in. I think in season one, he made this big break with his brother, which is something that, you know, something that really grounds him in Jimmy. And I think this season, uh, with these first couple episodes, we were like, what a, let's explore this relationship with Kim, because that's another thing that really, I think, ties him down to who Jimmy is. And so I think these first two episodes are really, really very much focused on that relationship with Kim, yeah. um, which is something we always wanted to do. And if we, you know, you don't want to hurry that story either. So yeah. you want to have that time to kind of let it grow. Uh, so yeah, so going into this one, our big question coming out of episode one was like, okay, he's made this decision, you know, he's like, I'm going to do what I want, but then he takes this job kind of for Kim. What's, he, what's episode two? And episode two to me is Jimmy tries to have it all. And ultimately at the end, he kind of learns, you know, with Kim at the end is like, he thought that Kim was the one that, you know, I can tell her who I am. She knows who I am. She accepts me. And sort of realizes I I can't quite do that, so it's a it's a lesson for him that maybe he, he can't quite. Have. Her, if, if he, he wants, wants to keep yeah. her, he can't quite you know show her that side. It doesn't mean he's not going to have that side anymore necessarily. The way they speak about it at the end is it's, it's it was written that way for a reason. You know they're they're very cagey in the way they talk about it. Um, so yeah, so that's to me that's what was we were talking about coming into this one. Oh, well explained. And, and we talked a lot. I recall. Uh, about Mr. Miyagi. All, yes. all joking aside, <laughs> yeah, we, we did. really did. And then and the, the writer had cut. The line, yeah. but, but the famous line in the original Karate Kid, walk left side of road, safe, walk right side of road, safe, walk middle of road, squish, just like, like grape. grape. Yeah. yeah. So that that's, was, that's kind of where Jimmy is. is. Yeah. yeah. It's so. in the subtext now. So the, uh, the, <laughs> my, the pythons are talking about Proust, and we're talking about the Karate Kid. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, do you guys ever, in the writer's room... Do you guys ever talk about Saul Goodman in terms of Breaking Bad? Do you guys ever talk about, you know, well, to get to this or, you know what I mean? Does, does Breaking Bad ever come up pretty much in, in the room? Or are you pretty much just grounded in where I know you guys really like to say, where is this character now? Where is his head at? Stuff like that. But do you ever get into the future at all and what the future sort of what you created in the past oh. as future. Always, wouldn't yeah. you say? Yeah, because yeah. it's it, these characters, I, I don't think we know where they end up, uh, Mike and Jimmy specifically, but we have a sense of what direction what direction to go in. And, you know, there's a lot, we, ha we haven't talked much about Mike, but there's there's a lot of Mike this season. Right. Yeah. And and that's, it. Mike has, Mike has a journey that, uh, that, sometimes parallels Jimmy's, sometimes sometimes meets up with Jimmy's, uh, and sometimes they, they just have an interesting, it's, it's an interesting, interesting, uh, interesting relationships to put side by side. So they, that's, I definitely talk about it. And of course, you know, with episode one, with seeing Ken wins again, uh, we have this, you know, this wonderful and encyclopedia price. and price. And we have this wonderful encyclopedia now, this, this, this rogues gallery of these great characters who we've seen in, in season one of Saul and all the way through Breaking Bad. And, we have, and sometimes those, those, those are the, just the characters who are the right people to, to play into this story. Well, it's funny because, I mean, I remember, I think, I can't remember where I read it, but I believe it was something that you said, Jenny, and I thought it was really, really great. I, I'm drawing a blank on where I read it, but it was something about how this writer's room really thinks about where the character, you're more character-driven, not plot-driven. 
and it was more about how you guys are really thinking about where the characters are and I also remember like a quote that I read, I can't remember, I'm doing really badly at this, but I can't remember who said it, it wasn't you guys, but it was something about, a writer said something about, you know, I just try to listen to the characters and try and keep up, you know, with where they're going. Does that, does that resonate at all with oh, the, your process? Oh, and yeah. But I think it was the same, I think, I, I would only say, I think we did it the same way in the Breaking Bad writers. And if I'm misquoting well. you, mm-hmm. I apologize. I thought that I read that you know it was. I thought it I was say really many profound. great things. So <laughs> I, I really it thought must it was be hard to profound. keep them all straight. Jenny <laughs> tweets great things too. I, I really so thought it was like true. it was. It was so much about being more like looking at where the characters were were leading you rather than trying to plot them into situations. Well, I think mm-hmm. what I think what what our general rule is, and and this was the rule on Breaking Bad too, is. Um, you know, you kind of have to stay with the thing we always said is, you know, where's this character's head at? You always have to stay in their heads as to what would they actually do next, um, as opposed to what do we want them to do next to right. get them to this point. And that's sort of the thing with having Breaking Bad. You know, we know we know kind of where Jimmy ends up. We have a very but the window we had into Saul on Breaking Bad was pretty limited. You know, it was really mostly through Walt's point of view. We were very rarely alone with Saul. So when we talk about Breaking Bad and Saul in particular, it's, you know, this is what we want to do with Jimmy. Does this play out that we can still get him to where he was in Breaking Bad? Like, how much leeway do we have here? Is there something that we want to pull from Breaking Bad that we want to set up here? Um, But at the same time, you have to stay with the character. You know, what would Jimmy's next move be? Mm -hmm. What would he really do? You know, same with Mike. It's like... How would they actually react? And sometimes it means that you don't get to do stuff that you really wanted to do because there are plot points always that were like, oh, if only we could do this. But you can't like shove those characters into that box. Um, but then a lot of times you have really great discoveries about characters that you never necessarily thought you would get to. So, you know, it, it's, it's good and bad. Um, but ultimately, I think it makes the show better uh, because the characters stay sort of true to who they are. Um, we also do things where we're like, what would be the surprising thing to do, you know? So there is leeway. It's not like, well, he would only do this. I think mm-hmm. people, there's there's always a range of decisions people can make. So it's, what are the five things we could see Jimmy realistically doing? What's the most interesting one to us? So Well, one of the things it, we talked about last podcast too, Peter, you talked about this, is like, you know, Jimmy is very vulnerable and how, you know, what is it like for Jimmy to be hurt and... You know, that's one of the things, too, at the end of this episode when, you know, he and Kim are talking and he realizes that, you know, where she says, I can't know this. I can't ever know anything Mm -hmm. like this again. Right. This, you know, so, I mean, what am I trying to say? I guess I'm just asking you guys, is that one of those moments where you're like, okay, this is something that he has to keep, you know, inside. And this is something that would sort he sort of feels hurt, but he knows he has to keep. Yeah, what, I think he's. He, a lot of this is about a guy trying to understand his own true nature and what you know. What does that mean? What does it mean to follow your own star? What does it mean to to figure out what you're good at and 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 play to that? And what if what you're good at is something that's going to ruin your life or or ruin other people's lives? What if what you're good at is something that's going to keep you from things that are really important to you? And this is a character who who is constantly making. He's constantly weighing these decisions. One of my one of the moments I love, and I love the way uh, Jenny wrote it, and I love the way Bob plays it, and the way uh, Terry McDonough directs it, is in in uh, when when Chuck shows up. Chuck shows up in the, at, in, the in, at, at the office, and Jimmy's not expecting it, 
and Jimmy. It throws him. It throws him, and it's 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 a beautiful moment because here's here's he he, he so cares. I think when I watch it, I think he so cares what Chuck thinks of him. He Close. can't help it. He wants to not care, but he does. And then after that scene, uh, Mike. That's what Mike calls, and Mike says, "I you know are you you still you more, are you still morally flexible?" Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder. I always wonder. Uh, just the way the way that's the way you guys put that together. Would Jimmy have pursued what Mike offers him if he hadn't had that moment with Chuck first? And you see that that Jimmy sometimes sometimes he gets driven forward by you know just the spirit of rebellion that you know that you see that you see, and so just the same spirit of, of, of rebellion that where he where he flips the switch at the end of episode one. And those are those are moments that I love because I think we start to understand something about the guy that maybe he doesn't understand himself. And that really, that really feels special. This is the first episode that you guys bring Chuck back. And, you know, we knew that we were going to have to check back in with him since the, the whole thing with Jimmy in episode nine of yeah. the first season. Mm -hmm. um, you've got him playing the piano, so we oh actually God, to I see love the teaser on yeah, this episode. I have to yeah. shout out to Terry McDonough, who just shot yeah. the hell out of that teaser. Yeah. And yeah. Is that really the Porter beautiful. playing the piano for you guys? I believe uh, the, the, the piano track you were hearing was performed by our composer, Dave Porter. Mm -hmm. so who, who was a competition pianist when he was... It definitely was when he was That's a teenager. Right. I don't and, know how far he took it, but yeah. And Michael McKeon, of course, is as we know from Spinal Tap and a great many other things, is a wonderful and accomplished musician himself. But the, but that is actually Dave yeah. playing the piano. But Michael was playing between takes, which was one of those great moments where you're like, oh my God, this is my life. You're just sitting on set while they set up, and Michael McKeon is is playing piano. <laughs> I was like, oh okay, nice. wow, I'm nice. here. Okay. He came to the writers' room and played the guitar for us. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty. It's that pretty incredible. Awesome. Yes, he did. Yeah, that was awesome. That was and and Michael and uh, and Patrick Fabian, uh, yeah. of course, who plays Howard Hamlin, are so good. And I think we we said this over and over again in the editing room. I think for my money, this is one of the best teasers we've ever had, counting all sixty-two episodes of Breaking Bad as well. I think uh, I just said love Patrick it. Fabian. No, I don't. I do not. Patrick I do not. Fabian's uh, name doesn't get dropped enough. That's, That's right. true. Yeah. But it's how about wonderful. this yeah. second season? Yeah. And uh, this great actor getting yeah. to go places that he probably doesn't get to go. And yeah. yeah. He's a wonderful Super actor. Cool. We, we, but, you know, it's, it's always, it's, it's, we have such an embarrassment of riches with, with this wonderful cast. And, and we had the same thing on Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, we had, I had the same feeling then of, God, I want, I want, I want everybody in every episode. I want, I want, I want uh, Howard in more episodes. Right. I want Howard to get to do a great many more things. And the, the, the shame of it is there's only about 45 minutes, 46, 47 minutes per episode, and mm -hmm. it's hard to fit everybody in. But uh, Also, in Breaking Bad, we had so many great actors who were in the same family so they could we could get them all in the living room that's together. True. We don't we don't these these characters are sort of uh, atomized in different locations. There's there's different things going on. So that you don't you don't you often don't see them. I think the closest thing we've got to a living room is the HHM conference room. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's where we where we see it, and uh, we haven't gotten Price in there, unfortunately. So yeah. it's, we didn't Mike. mention, by the way, Price. Uh, we found out in the last episode, we found out Price's real name. That's true. That's right. That's yeah. true. Daniel Daniel Daniel, Daniel Wormald. Wormald. Yep. That Wormald, was which is uh, one of Schnauz's. I think it's Schnauz's mother's maiden name. 
Oh my God, he is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry we didn't uh, bring that up last week. We well, that, now we know. Well, now it's an Easter egg for last week's episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, Daniel. Daniel. Well, I wanted to say also that I just watched the episode last night. Um, That's right, because you didn't. You edited last week's, but you didn't edit this one. Right. This was Skip McDonald who edited. Right, this and what I what I saw in in the second scene, I guess after uh, when Howard gets there, is that he's really kind of telling Chuck that Jimmy is, he's, t- he's giving Chuck the news that Jimmy is working at Davidson, Maine, but he's also kind of telling Chuck, look, I didn't, you know, he's on a partner track, and I didn't block this, you know, and, I, you know, Chuck is, I guess, sort of hot and cold. You guys want to talk about your decision, you know, early on about how Chuck was going to have that, take that news, and, and I'm sure that that kind of spurs him to go to the office, you know, later in the show. Mark, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, let me talk about this. <laughs> no. Um, um, no, we. I think what we wanted to do is sort of set up that Chuck is melancholy, set up that, you know, his primary relationship in his life is with his brother, and now he doesn't have that. Um, and I think there's that moment where when he asks about Jimmy, I think – there is a hope of possible reconciliation there. Mm -hmm. And I think when Howard delivers this news that, you know, Jimmy has this prestigious job and and has continued to succeed despite Chuck's best efforts, I think that sort of, like, really squashes that for Chuck in a lot of ways. Um, But Chuck is also, you know, he always wants to present the best face to everybody. You know, he's not really going to let Howard in on that. Um, Because he doesn't necessarily let himself in on that, I think. You know, Chuck doesn't... To him, it's not like he's thinking, oh, my gosh, my brother, I can't believe, you know, he's going to do this and that. He always thinks he's sort of doing the best and... Protecting the law. Protecting the law. So um, it was a very sort of tricky kind of balance to strike, I think, in that scene. Does he regret what he did to Jimmy? I think he regrets how badly Jimmy took it. I don't know if he necessarily regrets his actions. I think maybe he... I mean, for me, I think he regrets that Jimmy didn't understand why he did it and yeah. he probably regrets that he lost his temper Chuck, Mo- think, more than anything I would think that's probably what he regrets the most yeah you know that's well put. I, I think Chuck the way you're putting that is just right I think Chuck really doesn't understand himself that well I, I think he's you know he's he's there are there are, and I think that's that that could be you could you could wonder if that's part of what this illness that he has is about is yeah. that he doesn't truly understand his own motivations he doesn't understand uh, he doesn't understand his own pride, uh, I think, and and these, and that to me is what's one of the things that's tragic. The, the character's a little bit tragic, and one of the things I love about the teaser, and also where we're going to go, uh, not to give anything away in this season, I think we start understanding Chuck a little bit more. I think we start feel it. We start feeling for him a little bit more as as this season goes on. And the sad thing to me is that Jimmy. Does, Jimmy doesn't really understand Chuck any better than Chuck understands himself, and that these two these two guys, even though they're 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 so important to each other, there's 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 this this gap between them, yeah. and uh, we're going to learn a lot about that. I'm interested in uh, there's a little shot early on with the sheet music uh, where the name there's a woman's name. Yeah, yes. Rebecca Bois. Bois, yes, which what? is a. Bois is a family name of mine. Oh, is so, it? Wow. Yeah. That's my great-grandmother's maiden nice. name. So. Got classy I wonder family. what that means. I don't know, I what, wonder that what, means. know what that name means. <laughs> Maybe we'll find out in later episodes. Well, um, you've got Jimmy going to, like, a, having a conference, I guess, with um, all of the Hamlin people and Kim, and he sort of play footsie under the table. Mm-hmm. And then you've got that great scene where they're smoking in the in the garage. 
And I mean, I kind of took the idea that, you know, Jimmy's uh, up, up in Santa Fe and Kim is down in Albuquerque, but he's back and forth and they're talking. They're sort of talking about sort of making, like nesting a little bit, you know, making sort of future plans yeah. in that one. Things are really good for Jimmy. Yeah. And when I watch that, I always think things are really good. When's the other shoe going to drop? I mean, because, yeah. yeah, next he gets a car. You yeah. know, and you can even you see got a new Kim's car. Being yeah, a yeah. yeah. How do you Mercedes. like the Mercedes? How do you like the Mercedes? For me personally, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I love the esteem way more. Okay, uh, All right. yeah. okay. It's kind That's of it's I kind feel. of a sad moment you know, when you're Cadillac. saying goodbye to the esteem. It is sad. The... He knows that some part of them likes that esteem, and I do like it personally. <laughs> so I always want to drive the esteem, but well, you know, I, I guess if I have to drive a Mercedes. If you make me, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got it as a quick aside. Uh, last, uh, we're recording this on a Saturday. Last Saturday night, uh, Michelle McLaren and Betsy Brandt and Grady, Betsy's husband, and I went to, uh, my girlfriend Holly couldn't make it, unfortunately, but we all went to the grand reopening of the Peterson Automotive mm. Museum. Wow. And we were there because... Um, the 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 Pontiac Aztec Walter White's Pontiac Aztec the one we used on the show is now officially on display at the mm. Peterson Automotive Museum that's cool oh, that's cool and it was awesome it's a beautiful museum definitely worth a, a visit if you live in Los Angeles or if you're visiting Los Angeles and it is sandwiched the Aztec is sandwiched between James Bond James Bond's new Aston Martin from the movie Spectre and on the other wow. side of the, of the Aztec is uh, the red Ferrari that Magnum PI drove. Oh nice. It's wow. awesome. It That's is so great. cool, so great taking her uh, having her picture taken with it and I'm hoping one of these days wouldn't it be cool to have the esteem in there too. Okay. So let's Royal, talk uh, yeah. BCS. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I keep um, getting us off on tangents. I'm sorry. I, I you know, speaking of cars, um uh, Price drives up in the in the Hummer. Yeah. Uh, see Mike, and he's going to talk to the cops. And Mike <laughs> is like, "Whoa, whoa, just pull over." And you're so damn funny. Of course, you guys haven't seen this yet. The no. episode. You're so damn funny in that scene. He's like, "Hi, what are you doing here?" <laughs> you guys are a great comedy routine. You and uh, uh, you and uh, Mike Ermitra. Well, you and Jonathan Banks because he is just dry as as toast, I unbuttered love toast. Him. It's just. A- so, I mean, it's hard not to laugh, you know, on both ends. And we've become friends since. And, since. and it, it's, again, you know, I'm very, I'm very Midwestern. And Mike's been in the business and, you know, had a interesting career. And he's hardened and, you know, but we get on so damn well. But it, it is. It, it's it's a, a odd pairing that works. <laughs> You're great together. Not to oh, jump. Yeah. Not to no jump job. forward. Not yeah. to jump, jump forward in the oh episode. But we, but we can't. We can't not talk about the squat cobblers. <laughs> squat cobbler. <laughs> Just to go back a second. Uh, you know, uh, having Bob working with Bob. I've worked with Bob before um, as a writer, and he's just. You will hate hearing me say this, but he's, he's like many of my other uh, friends, Bob's a mentor to us. And Bob had the perfect note for that scene, which was just, you know, play it as you're absolutely terrified. And the humor will be there, which is 
you know, absolutely correct. And I, I haven't seen the scene with the, the, the detectives, but I, I, you know, that was it's great. great. It's really great. It's great. <laughs> it is so good, good. good. It is so the four Glad of you guys, those two detectives, and then uh, and then uh, and you guys are, are, are just. Uh, so the two detectives, uh, A. Russell Andrews and Troy Winbush, these guys are, are perfect uh, foils for you two characters. You're so funny, and then you're hanging out with your coffee, yeah. and then outside and then, the window. Yes. And then the uh, you're you're. And by the way, credit to you, my friend. Uh, I'm I'm pointing to, to to Bob here, because we uh, Jenny wrote a great scene, and we were on the set of uh, the first episode. The first, yeah, first day. And you were telling us how great the scene was, but then you said, but I think the the scene didn't have. You, you said, what did you say about well, the, there should be a name for the... Well, the I, first of all, let's point out that I rarely do that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there isn't much that you guys write that isn't thought out in a thousand directions. And one of the interesting things about acting in the show is we do come up with a lot of questions about the characters' motivations. Why do they say this? Why do they say that? And 9.9 .9 times out of 10, you go, oh, here's why. Because you talked about it in this room, mm -hmm. we can. There's almost nothing you can suggest or ask about that doesn't have the answer being, yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, we talked about that exact right. construction of the sentence or right. that, and here's why. And then you go, great, thanks. And this was one where just reading it, I was like, whenever there's a sex thing, uh, an act, you know, even a, especially a super weird one. Mm -hmm. There's always some short phrase, you know, name, there's a name for it. Yes. And the first thing you hear is the name and it, it's always a little common but unsettling. And it makes your, and you're, who's making up these names? Who's, who's the person that you go to when you go, just want to share this with you. Here's how I get off. So there's an office, there's an office I need, somewhere? I need a name for it. It's, uh, it's me and 32 other people in the world uh, do this thing. Uh, but we all need a name because we talk so much about it. And it's always such a drag to have to just call it that thing we do or or can you just give us a short anyway there, you know what i'm talking about we referenced uh plate job yeah plate job mm -hmm. yes which i remember when the person told me there was a celebrity yes. and i'm not going to go into it because it's just There's gossip been a couple and, of celebrities yeah. actually anyway yeah, yeah. he was into plate jobs yeah yeah and i remember somebody saying that and and of course your brain you're just pick up the uh, the unspoken cues and you go, oh, that's a sexual thing. I don't know what that is, yeah. but what the hell is that? How come I don't know what it is if you, if you already have shorthand for it? Anyway, so I said, what if there's a shorthand for this? Because it always makes you feel like the way those cops feel, yeah. hopefully in that moment, of they, like, yeah. okay, it's a real thing. <laughs> And it's so real that there's a shorthand term for it, and yet I've never heard of it. I don't want to look stupid. <laughs> but it makes it more real somehow. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, a con yeah. thing. It's a, yeah. con, it's a thing I'm sure con men use oh, yeah. right. oh, yeah. all the time. That oh, thing yeah. of like, oh, it's this blah, blah, blah. It's just a phrase that 
Yeah. And you're supposed to feel dumb because you never heard you of never it. Never heard it. That's right. <laughs> and I will say to all you um, lovely people out there who do like to sit in pies um, that it, we did make up. The, there are there is actually a name, but we just had to go crazy and come up with there is, there is a name. There is a name, but we came you're up with like 15 me. other names. That's yeah. the name. David Cross, among other things that my friend David Cross used to have tacked to the wall in his apartment. One was a, 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 a costume piece from a Chinese toy company that said like joke face or something, and it, it was. Just, but he had a he had a porno magazine yeah. uh, of people who do stuff with uh, food. Okay, sure. Yeah, I forget. I think it was called Squish. It's a rich and varied community, I believe. Wow. I think it was called Squish, Squish. and he had that tacked to his wall. Well, I hope they feel well represented after. Uh... You know, I, I I do feel in that scene that that Jimmy is saying this with you know, there's not a lot of judgment. Like there's yeah. some mm-hmm. judgment, but you know, I don't think he's trying so to shame anybody. There is you a name. You can't say the name. I can say the name. I looked it up. What is it? It's uh, I believe it's splashing. Splash. Oh, okay. Yeah. But all I think right. that's mo- that's all food sitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The pie thing was so specific that I think we really wanted to, you know, get in there and get that name, like just for the pie I sitting. Well, we couldn't use it because yeah. it's copyrighted by Apple or Google or somebody like <laughs> yeah. that. So, so we had to come There's up money with money to be well, made. Well, I think Dutch <laughs> Apple asses. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little glass. more colorful. All those were making me laugh. There were a lot more. Is this something that you can use when you're ordering food? Yes. Yes. Sure, you should do it. And they asked, "Do you want the sauce in or out?" It's, we're using it for splashing, so sauce in. Come on, everything I'm saying, this food is just. I want nothing more in my life from from this point on. I've been so lucky; it's been so good. But if if Chicago sunroof and then uh, squad cobbler could wind up in the uh, Ox- Oxford English Dictionary mm-hmm. from this point forward, I think you just would... need to associate an emoji with them, and you're in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> And you want to talk about something uh, the fans may have uh, in store in their future related to uh, oh, squat cobbling? Oh. Well, you know, in the episode, Jimmy and Price make a video. I mean, it could they talk have, about they it. They talk about it. They talk about a video. But you, you know, we did something that's kind of amazing, which is that this video might actually exist. <laughs> I'm, that's all I'm going to say. Thank you, this Mr. This video Brooks. might oh, actually please. exist. Mark Brooks is the greatest sport of them all. The greatest <laughs> sport of them all. Not Babe Ruth, not whatever. <laughs> Mark is yeah, the greatest yeah. sport of them all. If it's funny, and I really think it's funny, I'll, I have no issue doing it. So, that's all I'll say about that. It's, it is, I laugh so hard, I, I literally thought I was going to burst a blood vessel in my but eyes. Where can we see this video? Where can we, where or where, Peter Gould? There's no, no way right now. There's, there's literally abs- no way right now. There's literally no way for anybody to see this video. But in the future. But we've seen it. Yeah. You just. <laughs> but we've seen it. On a just, basis. You so just maybe, maybe someday. To... Maybe someday there will be a way for people to see this video. If you have access. When the, the uh, yeah. when the Blu-ray comes out. Well, oh, could, be, could, could be. be. Could I be. I think be. that would be. It would be. That would be something. That's a good To idea. have something exclusively on the Blu-ray. Yes. But something. That would be. That Never would be amazing. That would be amazing. <laughs> it is <laughs> never been done. Footage never been done. And that's right. That's right. We just we done. just invented that right now. You're talking about Heather. Yeah, well, of course, the, the scene. Well, the scene was written by our uh, 
at the time, writer's assistant, Heather Marion, uh, who also uh, has uh, a writing credit with you. She co-wrote the, the last episode of this season. Oh, great. And she wrote this, she wrote, uh, she wrote uh, an extraordinary, an extraordinary scene. That's sure. all I'm going to say. And she did a great job on the final episode uh, 210, which um, we'll eventually do a podcast about as well. I, I which, I, say, as we record this, I directed. I have not seen the cut. I have not even seen it yet. I have to say about this scene, Heather seems like the most normal, down-to-earth, grounded person in the world. And when I read the scene, I, this, there is some other side to this lady. She is <laughs> this. This she she has she has a different side to her. I've and never ridden in an elevator with yes, her since. Yes, yes. <laughs> want to be, want to be, be careful. I said the same thing about you in episode 106 of uh, Breaking Bad. There you all. I'm copying. <laughs> <laughs> right quick, uh, you guys, uh, can you talk a little bit about your thought process early on to get Mike and Nacho together? So you guys have Nacho working for his father at a upholstery uh, place. Yeah. And you wanted to, I mean, it was important because Mike obviously sees the predicament that Price is in and he's got to fix this. And I actually didn't even see that coming at first. I love that scene. And poor Price loses that Hummer. Boy, he loved that Hummer. Oh, uh, yeah. I love that <laughs> I love the scene with, uh, with, uh, Michael Mando. And, and Michael, 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 uh, Michael Mando and his dad and mm-hmm. then, uh, and then uh, Jonathan Banks so at the upholstery shop. Mm-hmm. It is such a great scene. I haven't seen it, but I read it. I read it is. It, I mean. it is. Uh, well, Jenny did a great job writing it, and then it is. Uh, those guys just killed it in the. Uh, that's a real upholstery shop. What was going on the day that was shot? Uh, <laughs> that is a real upholstery shop. Um, that day there was a. I believe it was a carjacking, and there was a couple who were armed, right. and they oh. ran into a nearby auto parts store and they were barricaded in and there was SWAT and we were on lockdown for a few hours uh, on sets. Uh, We couldn't leave. We couldn't get to our trucks. We managed to like actually get some filming. Yeah, I was really scary. I was I was scared. I was actually scared. I mean, we were never in any danger um, just because they had so many cops around them, but it was there were helicopters all day, and, and the helicopters are they're working as we speak uh, in the uh, oh. in the post production yeah. sound department to get the sound of the helicopters oh. out yes. of the scene. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But they were able to get the the two people who were barricaded and out. Nobody was hurt or anything, so it, it wow. ended up being okay. But yeah, it was definitely scary. It was you know one of those moments where you're just like. I'm just gonna go as far back into the shop as I possibly can. <laughs> I'm not a hero. So I don't were there police officers on the set there saying were, you can't you can't well, leave this section or whatever? Yeah, I mean we always have police when we're shooting on location anyway because they lock up the streets and That's so true. they had come to Anna RAD and told her what was going on and said you know you guys need to stay within the property um, and so they were keeping us up to date as to what was going on. But yeah, we weren't allowed to leave the shop and the that parking lot for a few hours so we managed or like an hour or two so we managed to kind of film some stuff inside and then uh once they were very safe they felt they had the two people very well secured in in the other building they let us get back to work although that situation did not end until uh we were after we wrapped we were driving back in the vans to uh base camp when we found out that it had all been resolved i got it it's gonna sound like a jokey question but it's serious we to when you go use the restroom on the set usually we, we have a pimo which is a little trailer <laughs> yeah. parked a good ways down the street where did you guys go to the bathroom there is a very tiny tiny um restroom inside that 
upholstery shop right next to the front door. So when you go out the front door, if you're facing the door to the left, and so there was just a line. Oh my God, the whole <laughs> yeah. damn crew the had to use one tiny had bathroom? to use it for a couple oh. hours. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, oh it was God. a little precarious. I would have so. risked getting shot. I would have <laughs> just, I gotta, wow. Yeah, no, that was that was definitely an issue. That was definitely an <laughs> issue. That and um, we didn't really have any lights. They were all on the truck, so we managed to kind of, they still, I mean, like props to our um, lighting and camera department. They managed to really um, actually make sure the scene was lit mm -hmm. properly, and, and we shot. I believe it was Mike and the dad at the counter. Wow! Best um, while we were on lockdown, yeah. Best That's, crew in show business. Yeah. They just they roll with it. They just and, roll with the punches. And yeah. Anna uh, Ramey, our AD, was was great about making sure everybody was safe and like very well informed, and and you know keeping the crew, wow. you know, just feeling good and, and and that we were not really in any danger so and, wow. the, and the gentleman i love the gentleman who played uh, uh uh juan carlos Cantu, who played uh, the upholstery shop owner and uh nacho's dad we he he's a lovely gentleman did a great job who reminds us so much of george masters <laughs> that's true that's george what? masters who was a, a writer on a, a writer producer director on breaking bad and and uh, he he does he looks like George's cousin older cousin maybe yeah. or an uncle. Is uh, yeah, it's 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 so interesting to me. I love that. Uh, George will probably hear this say what? But uh, <laughs> I don't know. Just something about his uh, something about his smile. I think is what it is. I guess to you know we touched on it a little bit before, but to end this thing, um, uh, you guys kind of set up um, this thing with Kim at the end where they're eating pie, and Jimmy is telling her about the situation. <laughs> the situation and, mm. and she kind of checks him a little bit you know she checks him and she's like so you what was I'm sorry uh, remind me of the terminology I've only seen it once squat um, cobbler no 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 oh. no, no <laughs> about Fabri fabricated um, evidence fabricated, fabricated evidence, evidence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's right that uh mm. you know and it is interesting I, I I've learned a lot uh about the way I, I still have to exonerate a you you can you right? can I mean if I understood it correctly and you, yeah you wrote it you should talk about it, but you can lie to the police uh, you can mislead them as a is that is that but you, you can can't you can't f manufacture evidence yeah I think you can you can present scenarios to instill doubt I guess you can't lie to you them know, but you can so, mislead them yeah, yeah so I think that's yeah I think that was sort of what our research was yeah it's, I don't yeah. think you can straight out lie but right. you can um, and so, but him, but you can't produce some sort of like, yeah. you can't forge something to yeah. say someone was somewhere that they weren't or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So. It's, it's interesting. It's and then uh, he tells Kim and Kim is like, whoa. Yeah. I, we no, can't. Step too far. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sort of a scene that, you know, you started them eating on the bed and sort of a sort of cute, sort of sexy kind of, mm -hmm. wow, this is a nice intimate. And then it sort of, it takes that turn at that point and ends. Jimmy is like he has to pull back, and now she's very skeptical. And yeah. but Kim what asked, have I gotten myself into and and the, the way Jenny wrote it and the way you guys played it, she Kim asks a really key question because Jimmy has said this is pro bono, right? Right. This is a favor for a friend. Why would you endanger everything that you've got to do a favor for a friend for somebody? And and that it's it's a very it's a very interesting question. This, this, and I don't know that Jimmy has a ready answer. He's, he's very quiet at that moment. 
uh, and I, I don't know that I, it's 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 it's, it's, it it's a little bit of a paradox. Shock, shock, maybe? Yeah, yeah, makes him look into his soul a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because there's a big thing standing there, the answer, and it's hard to sort of see it come into focus because you kind of feel. I mean, he kind of maybe feels he knows the answer. It's that great thing where people know themselves, but they fill their lives not looking at who they are. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while, somebody points to it or they accidentally, <laughs> the door flies open and then they just quietly shut it. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of funny too, because I, th I know that, I can't remember when, but I know that you've talked about this before, Vince, Breaking Bad podcast, where you know, people are, it's very easy for people to justify their own behavior while pointing out someone else's or other people's behavior, um, but not wanting to acknowledge that you are sort of, you know, do the same thing. I um, guess it's the old thing, it's easier to give advice than take it. And it's not necessarily hypocrisy, although we're all, from time to time in our lives, uh, some folks more than others, but we're all, we've all, hypocrisy is just part of the human condition I guess but 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 sometimes it's not even hypocrisy no. it's just it's just you can't see the forest for the trees you can't see well there's your a own ton behavior. of books that have been written about it in the last five years yeah about people's inability to see their own uh, motivations self yeah. you know appraise themselves yeah there's just all kinds of great statistical work that's been done you know about this right I should find some of these and bring them in yeah but they're uh, it's just really interesting the way in which uh, you can't. I've always not can't get off on a tangent now, but Vegas to me mm -hmm. is a statistical uh, representation of people's ability to fool themselves. It's literally yeah. you can break it down to the numbers. Whatever the odds are yeah. on those games, yeah. that's how much. You, you're able to lie to yourself. Yeah, and any state lottery for them. Right? You know, yeah. so yeah, I, yeah. I think if you're playing, what is it, craps and blackjack have the best odds? Yeah. They're still not in your favor. Yeah. But that's how able you you are to be honest about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you are 40% able. <laughs> good for you. I've got that's a question, as good though. as it gets. I've got a question, though, um, for you guys, for you, especially Jenny, and then also for you, Bob. Um, D Jimmy's a smart guy. I mean, we've seen that he's very smart. He's very quick on his feet. Do you think that he realizes that this was not, I mean, that this was not a kosher move and or do you think that maybe he realizes that and pretty much thought that Kim would go along with this and kind of be... I, I, I think that my analysis of him is that he gets carried away with enthusiasm and excitement over ideas that are genuinely fun uh, to anyone who hears them but in his mind because he came up with it and because he the execution of it also is a hoot for him it's a release of a certain kind of energy that he has um, he just gets carried away and 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 obscures the part that he knows is questionable it's very easy for him to see past it but then he shares it with Kim, and just the look in her eyes, it's like, 
you know, it's that great thing of like, oh, we all are creating things and stuff. You ever share an idea with somebody and the look in their eyes and you're like, oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you were so excited about it right. a second before you said it. Yeah. And it's just your personality. It doesn't mean you're wrong even. It's just he sees it through her eyes and he's able to. But he's also very able to like go, well, that's not how I see life. I get how you see it. Mm -hmm. And you're mm -hmm. probably right sometimes, but you're not always right. And sometimes I'm right, and I'm going to go with what makes me happy. And, right. And, and uh, so, yeah, he's able to see it through her eyes and see what's wrong with it. But, you know, the, everybody isn't always right. So she doesn't own the truth. True, but she know? is right. I mean, do you think that she's she, right? But knows? she's not right. I mean, the thing is, in life, and maybe I'm just too sympathetic to the character because <laughs> I play him, and I do think sometimes I really am just on his side, and I don't care. I I, I relate to that side of him. Yeah. The side of him that says, "Well, fuck it." Okay. You know, and uh, let's. Who cares if I'm wrong? I'm gonna. I'm. It's this is fun, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And, and maybe and, I'm not. Yeah. You know. And I don't think, and, and not not to speak, <laughs> for, but uh, you know, I, it, it's fun, yes. But also, typically, when he does something like this, he's doing it to help someone else. Yeah. Mm. Which does not necessarily make a great excuse for it, but it's kind of an ends justify the means kind of thing, which can lead you down some very dark paths. But typically, he's not doing it for so far that we've seen for self-aggrandizement. He's doing it to help. He's doing it in that moment to help his client. His client. Uh, I also, I also think he, you know, I think that he understands what what he did is not necessarily illegal. But I think he, you know, he knows he can game the system, and. I think, you know, Kim is a person who's very controlled, you know, like these are the rules and this is how you follow the rules. And Jimmy's more like, well, you can bend those and not necessarily get caught. And as long as you're not getting caught and you're doing it kind of for the right reasons, then why not take advantage mm -hmm. of that? Like mm -hmm. he sees sort of the system and is able to work deeper within that system, whereas she sees the system and goes, these are the these are my parameters yeah. and, and I must work within these parameters. And I think that's the conflict. So yeah. they're both they're both valid ways of looking at the world, you know, but they're in conflict. Yeah. And I, I'm just wondering also that at, that's like to me a very a really key moment in their relationship because I think my feeling is that he really gets you know he just like Bob says he this is fun and I don't care and you know just like Jenny says it, it's okay if you get away with it and that I think that he almost feels that their relationship is special enough that maybe she'll drop those inhibitions as well and she really says whoa like she's really well, putting the well the thing that here's the other thing is i mean the, the, the they got together after they ran the scam That's so she says you know i need you to be above board i need you to be following the rules but the thing that kind of pushed them over the edge into the relationship was when they broke yeah. the rules that's the thing so, that got him in bed with her yeah, yeah so it's like well or committed to a relationship with yeah. him, with him yeah. so like you know it's like uh actions versus words and so i mm -hmm. think he sees oh yeah she says all these things but she also likes this side of me so yeah, well. i should be safe to express that you know yeah no a good point Complex, and we're not, you know, as complex. A, I don't even know if it needs to be said because the folks watching and listening are smart. But it's this is not a, this is not the uh, the edit. There's this is not the editorialized point of the show that that uh, you know that these are all different characters with different ways of looking at the world, and mm -hmm. and we're not promoting any one way. It's just it just makes for fascinating drama that all these characters have their own take on the world, and uh, and, and it's it's yeah. good to look at the uh, the outcomes. 
of what what these where these philosophies are going to lead. Yeah, it's, I think is is something that's that's important. It's interesting. So much of what you guys said is also. Uh, goes to something that Mike said last season when he was talking to Price about you know you can be a good criminal or a bad criminal, right? Yeah. And that's it's, it's so yeah. the question is do you uh, you know do you do you uh, do you follow morality? Do you try to find your own way through it? And how much how much do you how much do you just follow your own star? And that's uh, that's one of the things that you have to ask of all these characters. Yeah, mm. well put. Well, cool. Hey, everybody, thanks a lot for uh, coming in on Saturday and. Jenny and Mark and Thank Bob you. and Vince, Peter, Chris, as always. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank yeah, yeah, thank, thank you, you everybody listening. for listening. Yeah, and thanks for watching. <laughs> yeah, thanks for watching. Oh, that too. Thank you so much. Tune in <laughs> next week. Next week, uh, 203. 203, I feel sad. Has no title. I know, I feel sad because in the past Whoa. you've always said, two, you know, episode 203, which is a f- entitled blah, blah, and we don't have it for you yet. Nah. Maybe maybe in a week or two we'll have, we'll have titles, and then we can start doing that again. Right. But this one was great, uh, uh, written by Jenny Hutchison, directed by Terry McDonough. Terry did a wonderful job. Yes, as always. And, yeah. of course, he's the originator. He was the first director originator of Saul Goodman. Saul. Yes. So are you. I'm the first, yeah, the first writer, <laughs> and that's right. He was the first director. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you again, everyone. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you. Hey, Bob, would you do us uh, a solid and do a, yeah. a new Better Call Saul for us? What do I say? Better Call Saul. Oh, Better Call Saul. Oh, come on. Kelly wants to use it as a oh, button. I thought that was beautiful. She wants to use it as a button at the end of the oh, podcast. Yeah. And, and no, for do it as Saul Goodman. Recall Saul Goodman. Better call Saul. Yay. 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 Yes. Thank you both. <laughs>